Marketing is a little bit of science and a little bit of art and you find creativity in everything. So when you actually understand the product, you'll start to see it through your customer's eyes and pull in inspiration as part of your marketing tactics. You're listening to the Let's Talk Marketing Podcast hosted by me, Katya Allison. So what have you gotten yourself into? In short, it's going to be a good time. We're going to have great conversation and there's going to be a little bit of learning along the way. Through insightful interviews with top marketers, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, I get to explore the latest trends, techniques, and strategies in the world of marketing. I'm here to offer you engaging and informative discussions to help you stay up to date on the latest trends and take your marketing skills to the next level. In this episode, we are covering AI with Ashley Gross. Now, Ashley has been an AI enthusiast and strategist for over three and a half years. She merges her passion for artificial intelligence with her expertise in demand generation and SaaS marketing to accelerate growth like never before. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Nothing like learning a little bit of AI. So let's get to it. Let's talk AI with marketing. Ashley, welcome to the Let's Talk Marketing Podcast. Super excited to have you on here to dive into AI and marketing. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Good. I'm going to hop on that excitement and we'll just get going with it. Let's start with getting to know you a little bit. I'd love to hear what your first marketing role or what you would define as marketing role, right? Some could be non-traditional. And then also, what is your current role? So let's start with what was your first? Sure. So my first marketing role was an internship at Chase Inc. Acquisitions, which is owned by JP Morgan. I worked with a lot of demand generation tactics. It was a portfolio of small businesses, learned a lot. But I always like to tell people my first marketing role, and I love that you said this at the beginning of your question, non-traditionally, My first marketing role was probably when I was seven. My favorite movie was The Sound of Music. So I used to take paper and crayons and create flyers and invite the whole neighborhood to my show. I started really early. You were doing this show. Oh my God, I love it. An entrepreneur too. Yes. (laughs) And then right now I am the Global Campaigns Marketing Manager at Commerce Tools, which just means I lead the creation of Global Campaigns, which is a mix of full funnel demand generation and project management, which is intertwining every single marketing department you could imagine. Yeah, I know that very well. (laughs) The full funnel and then demand gen aspect of it as well, too. Well, of what it is that you're doing now, what do you love about what you do? But conversely, because there's always good and bad, there's two sides to everything. What, if anything, would you pluck out if you could pluck out anything? So let's start with a positive. What do you love about what it is that you do? Sure. So what I love is that I get to work on a global level. So I'm not a granular person. And sometimes when you take certain roles, you have to pinpoint a certain region and really hone in your focus. I'm more of a big picture person. So this role is perfect for me because I actually get to see on a global level what's working with content, performance, SEO, and then apply that to not only my campaigns, but also help regional marketers with what they need. Because sometimes just looking at things on a holistic, bigger picture helps a lot more people than just you. Agree. Now, what would you pluck out of it? Yeah. So I don't know if I would say pluck, maybe like pause. So in technology, (laughs) I like that. In tech, everything moves so fast, which is fun, especially when you're in startups, because there's always something to do and the market's always changing and you get to pivot with your communication. Sometimes I would say I like to slow it down just so you can really hone in on your subject matter and just spend a little bit of time there and not pivot so quickly. But so it's a love dislike, I would say. 
I love that you're so positive. You are really good at avoiding any negative word, which is fantastic. A true marketer. Is there a little bit of PR in your background too? A little bit. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. That's what I would have guessed as well too. But I think it is the nature of the beast. I think when it comes to marketing, you're pulled in so many directions that it's more about prioritizing the priorities, which what does that, what does that even mean? Right? How do I even make sense of it? And then I think I've said this in several meetings that I've had today. It's you're constantly trying to do something. You're running against a moving train and you're trying to figure out what do I need to put in that train to make it to like the next destination. So it is like that fast space. I definitely feel, I feel that empathy for wanting to slow down a little bit. Yeah. I've learned that marketing is not the career if you're a perfectionist, but if you don't want to be a perfectionist anymore, like come aboard because you won't be. And it's great. It's really good. I love it. Well, it has to be out there in the universe so that you get the feedback to even know that you're going in the right direction. It's all a game of iteration when it comes to marketing, the the campaigns that you're running, the whole nine yards. And I think with digital marketing, to your point, it's always changing, right? Like marketing in general is always changing in a short amount of time. I mean, like, let's take a look at TikTok, who would have thunk it? Like his exploded over COVID, right? But you have to, as a marketer, stay up to date on what's going on. So I want to focus just on social networks. Do you leverage social media networks? A, I was going to start off with Facebook. I don't know why I would start off with that, but like a Facebook, a YouTube, a LinkedIn, et cetera, just social networks only for any sort of inspiration, entertainment, or education. No, I would say nowadays I'm actually less on social media. I love LinkedIn. That's by far my favorite social platform, but For inspiration, specifically with AI, I love everything that Paul and his team are doing over at the Marketing AI Institute. They still have a great community. I tend to go for like the community because that's what you can't get on social platforms a lot of time unless you find a specific group that resonates with you. So I really like what they're doing. There's also like, I'm very big on podcasts. So I love Jasper has a great podcast called The Prompt. And it's just a conversational piece around trends and personal strategies. And they actually give you resources that they've used as far as forming AI ethics committees and privacy policies and just these things that would normally take you hours of conversations to sort out among your own teams. And then also newsletters. I I like different channels. So I'm really big on receiving multiple newsletters. Marketing Millennials has a good one. Exit 5, TLDR AI. Yeah, those are probably the top ones I use. And then anything by Neil Patel, his marketing school. He's got great content that he put out puts out so much. Yeah. He has the dream content um, (laughs) is really what he has. So it sounds like you're not going to social media networks to stay up to date on trends, but LinkedIn is definitely one that, you know, if there was one network you would say that you go to, it would be LinkedIn. And it also sounds like a good combination of podcasts and emails. We'll definitely make a note of that and feature those on the episode page too, because I'm all about it. It's I selfishly, this is why I asked the question, because I'm like, what are you listening to or reading that we don't know? Because, uh, you know, a lot of the email newsletters are aggregates, which is fantastic. But I reached a point where I've subscribed to everything on the face of the planet. I can't even keep up with all of that information. And it does sound like you have a lot of the AI kind of podcast and what it is that you're following from a newsletter perspective to really stay up to date, which is a really great segue. So let's get to it. Let's talk marketing, specifically AI and marketing and how that works together. So I'd love to hear just your expertise in marketing and AI. How have you leveraged it? 
Yes, I've been using Jasper specifically for the last almost four years. And I got into it just because I really wanted to like enhance my verbiage and how I reach out to C-suites and board of advisors and podcast hosts and just in general building confidence and leveraging communication. It was right during the pandemic. And there was a lot of talking going around amongst people anymore. So I was kind of like, you know, when you have cabin fever and you're like, that sounded really good in my head. And I said it out loud and I don't love it. So it was this nice little like buddy that was like, yeah, you're crushing it. Like you said it or it's like, maybe you want to say it like that. So I just fell into it just because of that human first approach. And I think that's really helped me because back then there wasn't a lot of resources on how to use it. So I trained myself and learned myself. So I really do embrace a human first approach when it comes to AI. And then it's a game changer. I've been using it for everything in marketing as far as like customer behavior, personalizing campaigns, making more data-informed decisions. You can use it for everything. And I always challenge people, if you can think it, you really can use it for quite literally anything that you want. Let's unpack that a little bit because I think there is this, I don't know, school of thought that AI is going to take over marketing or marketers and there will now be no need for that. All you really need is someone to type in, write me a blog on XYZ and out comes a blog. And then there's SEO magic and all of that good stuff, right? It's basically the magic wands that everybody's looking for to replace. I have a different school of thought on that, but I'd love to unpack what you said on how you're using it for everything. Can you give us some examples of it in practice in like your sort of daily life as a marketer? Yep, absolutely. And I wish it was like this magic wand and it worked that easily. I really do. But it's not like it still requires a human being, which is great. So like you're never going to be replaced as long as you learn how to embrace it because it needs you. It's just a machine like it still needs a human to run it. So to answer your question, I use it for everything. But specifically, I love using it for predicting customer behaviors and trends. So data takes so much time as a marketer to go through and we don't have a lot of time. So AI can pull all of the insights from past campaigns, and assets and events and just analyze what worked the best and what didn't way faster than we can. So just leveraging that to create more targeted campaigns. A few other things I used to, I like to use it for personalization. So it can learn your customers based on their social presence and then optimize those emails and outreach sequences based on what they learn, which is great because again, it takes time. Event planning, that's like one of my personal ones. I hate planning events. So like webinar talk tracks take forever to plan and forming in-person events, just everything from mapping geographically where we should have the event to what food we should have to where it should be. All of that using AI, it takes minutes and then you just have to go over it and make sure it fits with your budget and just optimize it, make sure that it is exactly what you want and then pass it up to leadership for approval. And then content optimization. I always hear about people using AI for content creation, but I think they're severely underestimating the optimization aspect of it. So you can use AI to go back through all of your old content and your campaigns and your assets and your website journey just by giving it some Google Analytics data and say, here's the assets that brought in customers, optimize this data and rewrite it and plug in some more keywords. It lets SEO optimize it. And that's most of the time how you get more customers. It's your old content. It's not the new content that you're putting out. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely refreshing it. I do... Well, to me, it also sounds like you must be a super prompter if you, because you've provided four very different examples, right? From data analysis to event management or event creation. So tell me when you are prompting 
from your first example, which I'm calling data analysis. We could probably call it something else. Like what exactly are you putting in there? Take a look at these numbers and you're uploading a spreadsheet. Are you bulleting out these numbers? And then it's analyzing it. Tell me about the prompt in order to get like what you want out of that. That's a great question. So it depends what I'm doing. A lot of times I've found, so specifically with Jasper, you can upload data and have it analyze it and then just store it in your dashboard or your knowledge base. So a lot of times I like to convert it to a CSV. So like Excel, save it. This can come from Salesforce. It can come from wherever, whatever CRM you use. Just export it, save it, and then ask it specifically. So my prompt could look something like, I want to retarget customers in X segment and maybe X industry. Can you review all of these reports and find the accounts that I missed or find where there's opportunity for growth? Something like that. You can, I mean, there's no wrong way. You could do it bullets. Yeah, you can really make it your own. It's really just what you prefer and what you're used to. And I always like to A-B test it a little bit because it does still hallucinate every now and then. So if it's not working yes. one way, I'll try it a different <laughs> way. Yeah, I think with AI, to your point, there is always going to be like this human element that's required. Nothing's going to be perfect. You have to make sure it's going to be in your right voice and tone. I think the way that I leverage AI is a lot for the content optimization, but also research as well too, and breaking down really technical content so that it is digestible and understandable, right? As a marketer, I'm a storyteller. I love to be able to tell stories. I love me a good analogy too. So it's really, I leveraged AI in that, like this is the technical aspect of this particular, I don't know, widget is what I'm going to say. Give me three different types of analogies to help me understand this because this is the audience that I'm speaking to and being able to go back and forth. Like you said, it is that buddy. It is that person that is like going back and forth. What do you think of this? No, that's not, it missed the mark. Maybe I, maybe it was my error, what it is that I'm prompting. So I love the examples that you've given from data analysis to content optimization. Ooh, that was a tongue twister as well as event management. What was that second one that you had mentioned? No, you said event planning, there was content optimization, the data analysis, personalization. Tell me a little bit about that, because that to me sounds like, how could I possibly use AI for personalization? I'll give you a great example. And this is something that you, I'm sure you do. If you find that you have a specific topic, you're like, oh, who do I choose for this specific topic? And you can go on LinkedIn, see who is using the most hashtags, see who's like resonating the most with that specific topic actually copy and paste their LinkedIn profile into your AI of choice and say, hey, create me an email sequence. I want to reach out to this person and see if they want to be on my podcast. Pull from their LinkedIn profile and give three examples of topics that they like and they're interested in and make that a part of my talk track. They're less likely to say no if you're personalizing it for them because the message is only meant for them. It's going to resonate. It's not cold. It's not a cold outreach anymore. It's warm. Oh, I'm so glad that we double clicked on that. I was envisioning something else from a larger or not larger, like a broader perspective. I was thinking that you were talking about personalization for your customers, but from an outreach perspective, now all of a sudden you've got not just marketing involved. What a great tool for salespeople to use in order to better target them as well, too. I, I hope we've got some salespeople who are listening because that is a really amazing hack. Now, as AI really just continues to evolve, what do you see as like the future trends and developments in AI powered marketing? 
Yeah, so I, we've already started seeing this, right? So job descriptions used to be they're hiring, and I, I'm pulling this example randomly, but they're hiring a content creator. Why would you hire one con content creator just to create content and then proofread their own content when you can hire someone around their ability to use AI, not just to content create, but content optimize, SEO optimize, copywriting? They can do all of these things just based on the way that they use AI. So I always like to pull from this example because it wasn't that long ago where CRMs were the talk of the town, right? Salesforce, Marketo, Cardo. And if you knew how to use these, then it was like a specialization. That's exactly what this is right now. This is where we're at in the weave. It's the ability to embrace it and what you can do with it because you can do way more and it actually makes you better at whatever your specialization is. I love that. I love that trend because you are right. It is a specialization. I had a conversation about AI and marketing and said that to me, a new job is going to come up, right? Like I am going to, on my resume, want to say that I am an AI prompt creator. Like that's very specific. I want to be able to call that out. I do think it probably takes a lot more education on AI around the space, because I think a lot of people think that they know what we mean by AI. And I assume that you run into people like that as well, too. So how do you explain what AI is and then how it can benefit, you know, how it can be an added benefit and or an added tool to your marketing strategy? I love this question so much. And so I had the same answer every single time I get asked this question. I have a human first approach. So how I approached it was I asked everybody what they didn't like about their job. And I literally took what they didn't like about their job and I created prompts for it. And I said, choose one of these problems that you gave me that you don't like to deal with, that you have to do as part of your role. Choose one AI to solve those problems. Go test it and see if you like it. And nine times out of 10, they're like, wow, that was great. I describe AI as the person on your team that's getting the grunt work, right? It's an intern that just came in. They need to learn the field. They need to learn. And they get all the non-fun things that you don't want to do. That's what AI is. That's what it is to me. And you can build off of that, right? Like once you have the foundations, it can be as much or as little as you want it to be. Now, oh my gosh, I love the idea of prompting like the, the people that are on your team to go find another way to do that one thing that they don't want to do. That's really all it is, is just making you free up your time so you can do more of what you love. And who doesn't want to do that? How would you go about even, because I know that if I was given that task, and right now I'm probably leading the witness here, but I would say how as someone on your team that was tasked with something like that, how would they find the right AI tool? Is it literally just Googling what are the AI tools for, I don't know, design? That's probably a really broad one that would bring up a lot of AI, but is it a matter of a Google search or is this one or is there a place where I can go to identify different AI tools that are out there? Because now there are so many that yes. are coming out. Yes. So I always encourage everyone to start conversations. It's just as simple as starting a Slack channel that's called AI and just it can be news clippings. It can be fun things you've tried. It can be anything that you want. Just get the conversation started and then you'll be really quick to see how many people are interested and they start to pitch in ideas and they get to trial things. So it's a combination of curiosity and then leaning in and just trying it. My approach personally is probably different than a lot of other people's. I look at AI as more of a sustainability problem. So now with the boom of AI companies, there's so many of them. I don't have the time or energy to learn every single AI out there, nor do I. So I take the approach of talking to their product teams and actually looking at their product roadmap and making sure that it's something that not only solves problems now that already exist in marketing and haven't been solved already, 
but things that are going to be problematic in the future. And also like compliance and safety. If I'm going to learn this before I even start to learn it, I want to see what their product is. Do they have a vision for it long term? What are they going to do? What problems are they solving? What niches are they going into? These are the things that I ask. And then I determine whether or not I want to learn more about them. I like that. What do you say to, you know, the questions around privacy? Because I think there are a lot of people that are apprehensive about using it, especially from a work perspective, right? I mean, we all, every email we send out has a confidentiality statement at the bottom of it, right? What are we opening ourselves up to when it comes to AI and leveraging that for business and feeding that information? What are your thoughts around the privacy? Yep. So I always like to tell people, look at historically and even currently how we react whenever there's something new, right? You've got the people that embrace it and are like, yep, jumping on the bandwagon, happy to go. And then the people that are terrified. And then there's a couple people in the middle. So I always like to remind people of that because they forget that anytime there's something new and disruptive, it is scary, right? Because it's new. It's meant to be scary. But also this brings me back to my human approach, right? AI is not going to solve that problem. Humans are going to. So you need to hold the humans accountable. And that starts with holding yourself accountable and knowledge is power. And I don't know why I'm using so many metaphors. I'm not trying to on purpose, but I'm here for it. (laughs) I sign up for analogies every day of the week. It helps me understand things. But like just something as simple as I'm not a data science person. I don't have that background. But when I started to do my research on AI and whether we could use it or not, I reached out to our IT team and I said, okay, what is your process for approving apps? Not even if they're AI, what's your process for approving apps? And I copied that and pasted it. And then I added in some AI specific ruling. And that's how I got like a baseline for what needed to be in place for it to be secure according to my company's policy. And like you can pull from any company's policy. Jasper has their regulations and policies for everyone to see on LinkedIn. And then from there, I was like, okay, I'm going to look into SEC agreements. I'm going to see where the data is stored. I didn't know this, but if it's stored in different countries, it's safer than in some other ones. And I just really started to like go at my own pace. And then that made me smart and it made me articulate questions a lot better when I was talking to the product teams of these AIs, because I started to pick up on, okay, this is safe. This is not safe. This is on a secure site on this app. And I'm not naming any of them on purpose, but on this specific generative AI app, my data is used to train the model. So everyone else benefits from it, but that means my data is everywhere. So just not getting too caught up in all the specifics, but knowing enough to know whether or not it's safe and then building off of that. And also asking for help. Like we're at the forefront of this movement. We're not experts. So there's somebody that comes from a data science background that can answer these questions for you. Go find those people and get mixed, get mixed advice from people that are data background driven and people that aren't. Yeah. Getting a variety of Yeah, getting a variety of opinions and thoughts from experts who are in that space, you know, identifying the privacy policies to better educate you as the marketer on your end, right? Of like, okay, I've got to be on the lookout. What I appreciate about that approach is I think we put a lot of the, what do I want to say? We put a lot of the pressure on the AI tool. They should know everything. They should hold everything, but it removes us from being accountable. And we truly are accountable in that. We should know that. We should educate ourselves in that respect. So I think that you've really honestly given everyone who's listening a great way to, I don't want to say hack it, but figure out their way around privacy because it is, and it depends on the brands that you work for, right? There, you know, if you're working for a financial brand, I would assume that privacy, the need to have a really solid understanding of privacy and AI, depending on the tool that you're leveraging is going to be imperative. 
yeah, it's going to be imperative in everything that you do. And you want to be able to answer the questions if they come at you, right? Exactly. And that's why I always tell people, pick one project, pick one tool. Not like one tool is not going to solve all those different problems, right? Like Midjourney has done a phenomenal job at design. They have segmented themselves so good that if you want design specific, you're going to them. That's it. They don't try to do a bunch of other things. And that's a great example of knowing the product and knowing the problem you're trying to solve for it. Yeah. What do you think the learning curve, and it's probably different for every AI tool, right? What do you think the learning curve for learning an AI tool is? Because if I have all of the time, I I want to go deep into mid-journey, but I know it takes, I want to say like a day of really truly going back and forth, going back and forth and having different problems. So I'm, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on the learning curve of learning an AI. So you actually said this earlier in the podcast, but I didn't want to interrupt you. You said sometimes I'm communicating with it and I learn that I didn't communicate well. And I think that's the learning curve, right? We think that we're so good at communicating, but then when it's us and a computer and it's not understanding us, we're like, what is wrong with you? Like, why aren't you understanding me? But if it was a human being and you were giving it like not a full sentence or not a full command, they would look at you like, what are you talking about? I don't understand what you're trying to say. So I think that really translates well into the learning curve is just Maybe your communication's not as good as you think it is, right? Maybe you do need to work on something. So I always like to try to encourage people to start with an AI that's been around for a long time. And so, for example, like Jasper, it has a one button that enhances your prompt for you. That's a great way to start learning how to prompt because it does it for you. You can give it a broken prompt, which with most AIs like ChatGPT, you cannot do or it will hallucinate for you. And you can say, like, enhance this and you can see how it enhances it. And then you learn how it's learning and what it needs and what an actual full prompt looks like for it to digest and spit something out that makes sense. And then you can say, okay, great, that works. Copy and paste that in a Word document. I'm going to use that prompt again, but I'm going to try it on Bard or Cloud or Braze or whatever you want to use. Yeah, that's such great advice. Now, I'd love for, we're rounding up to the end. We're getting close to the end there. I'd love for you to share three tips marketers can use for working with AI as a marketer. Three tips. I probably sound like a robot at this point, but I would just say my three tips would be pick one problem, pick one AI app, test it, report back on it if you liked it. If you didn't like it, try a different one. Got to get out there and just try it though. And then save your prompts. Once you have a good prompt, everybody's got prompts, right? Like you said this earlier too, everyone's so good at writing prompts. What may be a really good prompt for you might not be for me because we're just different people with different communication skills and different backgrounds. And like, maybe you understand way, I know that you understand way more than I do when it comes to specific topics and vice versa. So I would say, yeah, that was four tips. I apologize, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. I got the first one, which is pick your problem. Pick your problem, pick your AI, and then test it. Yeah. Pick a problem, pick your AI, test it, and then save your prompts. You're right. You should save your prompts. I think, you know, I went down a rabbit hole and started truly because I was really curious these chat GPT Bibles, right? Not just chat GPT Bibles. There's like prompt Bibles everywhere. I'm like, what is it that you're writing? And I think you, you take the anatomy of what should be in a 
prompt and you just get better at it. And I, I love what you said about testing it as one of your tips as well, too, because you have to try and then try again and try and you yourself then get better as well, too, right? Like, you know, based on the output that you get from the input that you're providing, you get better at prompting. Like I've definitely seen it over time where I'm like, I'm really specific about what I want. And then there are really great tips for uh, one of the tips that I learned because I was I attended an AI webinar was, especially with ChatGPT, it only holds on to so many words and characters, right? So at some point I now, if I'm running through ChatGPT, I ask it to summarize everything that we've done so far so that it moves it in its memory, right? Yeah, these are things that like people think it's just like I'm input, output, input, output, but there's so much more that you can do if you just play around with it. So the testing is chef's kiss. Yeah. I would also say like ongoing education. So I, I think that something that's really important is like there's different lenses, right? We've talked about this throughout the podcast. So I've found LinkedIn Learning, Coursera. Coursera is great. And so is LinkedIn Learning. You can take classes from IBM and Duke and Harvard and all these big name universities and companies. And you can learn different ways of looking at it. Going into like generative AI for the business case is going to look completely different than it does for how you use it to enhance your actual product. And just knowing how to talk about generative AI with different lenses so you can have it be more approachable, I think is something huge because strategy is what's missing these days. Just being able to come together and form one unified strategy. So helping you like look at it in a different lens and start to get creative about how it can solve multiple different problems from multiple different perspectives is really yeah, important. Yeah, that's so true. And even you saying the term generative AI, I think that there are a lot of people that don't truly understand what that means. And maybe that's another podcast where we really dive into, but it's true, right? Where we really dive into the language of AI. Like, what does this actually mean when we say generative AIs? Listeners, be on the lookout. Could, that could be a, another potential episode where we're diving into those terms. Because I think that you can get very lost in the weeds, right? Like, I think I know AI, but do I? Because then I keep hearing like all of these different terms. Okay, we're down to the final question. You ready for it? Okay. If you knew then what you know now, what is the marketing advice that you give to yourself? <laughs> the list. Out comes the list. <laughs> like one spreadsheet. I would say know your product. Regardless of what your role is in marketing, you have got to know your product first. And that can be really scary to some people because they don't come from tech backgrounds. But if you think about it, if you don't know your product, how are you going to market it? You know, you're essentially setting yourself up to fail if you don't start with that being your basics. You can learn how to market later. You have to know the product, though. It's non-negotiable. Uh, you just made my heart grow three times because it's so true. I think oftentimes you can run into different marketing teams that are rolling forward with marketing something that they don't have really any idea what it is. Like there's an understanding, but I feel like a marketer is almost tasked with the same thing as a product manager. You have to know what it is. What are the pain points? Why do we even have this? What are the challenges? What are the competitors doing? You are a bit of a product manager as well, or at least you should have that product management like information. Yeah. And the hat on the hat, the hair, the whole nine yards. The, I mean, you definitely have to know it in order to be able to truly market it and connect all of the dots. Absolutely. Marketing is a little bit of science and a little bit of art and you find creativity in everything. So when you actually understand the product, you'll start to see it through your customer's eyes and pull in inspiration as a part of your marketing tactics. 
So true. This conversation has been amazing, Ashley. Thank you so much for coming on here and just giving us your tips and sharing your ideas and thoughts on AI for marketers. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. I learned so much from this episode. I'm a little obsessed right now with AI and not for it to take anything over of what I'm doing, but I really think it's that tool in your marketing toolbox that really can level you up. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me dive into the key takeaways, okay? So I've got three, obviously. My first one is AI isn't a magic wand, but it's more of a useful tool that really still requires human involvement. That can mean is that it can be a game changer for marketers when used to support processes. It's good at predicting customer behaviors, personalizing campaigns, and really honestly making data-informed decisions. But Ashley and I both agree on this fact. It's not going to replace marketers. So embrace it, my friends. It's a machine that still requires the human touch to work effectively. Number two, speaking about human touch, it's about the human first touch approach. Now, one of the great tips Ashley left us with was directed towards anyone starting out with AI. She said, pick a problem. Pick one problem specifically. Choose an AI tool, test it, and then report back on the results. So save prompts as you develop them to reuse or repurpose in the future prompt requests from these AI tools. That is a human-first touch approach. When you have to think of the problem and how to tee it up to AI so that you get meaningful results back from whatever tool that you're using, that's a human-first touch approach. AI can't just do it for you. Now, my final key takeaway is AI is a new specialization in marketing. I don't know how controversial this is. I think that it is definitely worth talking about, though. It's understanding and utilizing AI as a bit of an art form and a new marketing tool that really needs to be learned. It's on its way to becoming a specialty in marketing almost. Ashley compared it during the podcast as similar to sort of the CRM wave that had happened. Those who can really embrace it and leverage AI will find themselves at an advantage in the marketing world. So like I said, at the top of my key takeaways, it's a tool in your toolbox. It's not everything, right? I like to think of it almost as you know, a hammer is really important in building things, right? You're hammering the nails, but it doesn't build the house for you. So think of AI as just another tool. Also, don't take, you know, home improvement advice from me because clearly I said, just use a hammer. (laughs) You're going to need more than that, my friends. But those are my insights from this episode. I could probably talk at nauseum about AI as it pertains to using it for marketing, but I'm really interested into the insights that you pulled away from the episode. Drop a comment on the podcast LinkedIn page. Let's talk marketing. You can find it on LinkedIn. I'd love to learn how you leverage AI for your day-to-day, or maybe it's for you know bigger projects. A very special thank you to my podcast producers, content allies. Thank you for spending your time with me today. Until next time, may the conversation flow the laughter linger, and the outlook remain optimistic but grounded in reality. 
This is Katya signing off. 